Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Treesill Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jerry Salaya, our Chief Strategist, and John Calvary, our Chief Economist. What we're going to talk about today are long-dated bonds. Now, the reason why I want we want to talk about this was Jerry, you wrote a piece, our weekly talking points about long-dated bond prices, and and you attended a conference where discuss some concepts about duration and things like that. And you wrote in the piece that actually long-dated bond prices gain more expected yields for. So I think this is the duration concept, right? That's right, James. And it's, it's yeah. good to speak with you guys. Basically, this is something that you and I have talked about for a long time. And in fact, John, you, you were involved in this back in 2020 when we started talking about the fact that yields were going to go up after the crash during the you know, early parts of the pandemic. And we were forecasting, you know, basically looking at the U.S. Treasuries, that we were going to move sharply away from the 0.33 area sort of all-time low yield and probably move back above one and probably move towards two and even higher. And I remember part of our discussion was what are bond portfolio managers going to do? Because most of our clients don't invest in bonds directly. They actually use portfolio managers or ETFs in order to get exposure to that part of the market. However, we were taking the view that because of you know the duration effect and because of the convexity of curves and all that sort of stuff, everybody was going to have to shift from long-dated bonds to short-dated bonds, as they usually do when yields are starting to rise. And even then, you're still going to have a bunch of losses, right? Now, we didn't expect mm. the, the big losses that we saw in 2022, but we were looking for yields to go higher. I think one of our calls was, you know, buy U.S. Treasuries when you get to 4%. So that's a heck of a move between 1% and 4% in terms of prices. Now, mm-hmm. the conference I went to was the uh, SEA's uh, Technical to Trading Systems one. And we were lucky enough to get one of one of our board of directors, one of our former colleagues from Commerce Bank, who's still at Commerce Bank, and Professor Jessica James, who basically talked about the fact that people tend to overlook the fact that not only do you have first derivative, second derivative effects when it comes to bond and price movements when it relates to yields, but you can actually have third and fourth derivative effects as well, which means mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they don't move in a straight line. So in other words, when you get an ultra long bond, let's say 50 years plus, and you get yields starting to rise and or fall, then the price move is actually a bit steeper than you might expect. It's not a straight line effect. And that's the convexity part that, that you mentioned as well, James, which is one of those okay. things that you could be surprised by the amount and speed that a yield move will have on prices as you have lots and lots of uh, maturity, 50 years plus, let's say, ultra-long bonds. So yeah, I, I thought I it was see. interesting because, I mean, as a kid, I grew up, you know, and, and my first job was calculating bond yields and we had pages on Tellerate, the old system before Bloomberg, which we would list if yields moved by 25 basis points. I think we went out to 75 basis points on either side, right? Plus or minus. Then this is how much the on-the-run issues in the U.S. Treasury would move. It was just a basic mm-hmm. case saying, Here's the yields. Here's where they are if, if they move. And here's what the price effect would be. And that's always really, really mm-hmm. interesting because people seem to underestimate the fact that the longer duration you have, the more you know of a punch in the face you get if yields go up. Yeah. So let's just summarize a bit of this. So basically, obviously, the uh, sensitivity of the bond price to interest rate will be tied to the maturity of the bond and always other factors like coupons rates. But the thing also is interesting is that actually, as interest rate keep rising or falling, that sensitivity is not constant. It keeps changing a bit. Am I right in saying that? That's a convexity yeah. concept. 
Yeah, that, that's okay. exactly it. Basically, you're riding a steep part of the curve or it might flatten out. It depends on where you are. Yeah. So for long data bonds, is it a, what I use the word more convex, i.e., in other words, is the that duration changes more with yield or not for long data bonds? I think it does. I mean, basically, it's one mm. of the concepts that you have to get into your head is that it, it's, I think, one of the magazines that interviewed her um, likened it to a roller coaster effect, where basically there are bits where you get the whip around and you get the, you know, the sharper slide or the higher rise part of the mm. price move depending on how mm. yields are moving. But again, we flipped it. So for our purposes, I had a long conversation with John and the view I took was that, look, even though these things have been hammered and the example we were giving was a French, uh, I think it's a 2072 maturity. Yeah, in the, in the weekly uh, uh, talking points, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's been hammered. It's trading uh, around 37 euros when it was issued at par at 100, right? And the yields are on 2.8. So it was one of those things mm. where I said, John, you know, how attractive is this? And John was going, well, John, you're there, you can speak for yourself, obviously. But John was saying it's it's worth looking at, but it'd be a lot more attractive around 3%. And we both thought that at 3.5, if it ever got there, it's actually not a bad little thing to put in your back pocket on the view that at some stage between now and maturity, you are going to see yields fall and this thing should whip around again, right? John, have you changed your wheel? After Jerry wrote this piece, no, I mean, as, as as Jerry said, we discussed this at some length, and from my side, you know, conventional bonds are actually quite scary because if you buy a bond and it's earning three percent and inflation comes in at five percent, you're using losing two percent a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And up until a couple of years ago, we thought inflation was going to be around two percent. We thought the central banks were doing a great job; uh, they'd hold it near enough two percent. Throughout the 2010s, they even struggled to get it up to 2%. It was often a bit below that. But over the last year, we've seen 10% inflation uh, in the US, in the UK, Eurozone. <clears throat> and that really blows uh, any investment that's only earning 2 or 3% or even 3 or 4% out of the water. And mm. that's the problem with conventional bonds. So you've got that big risk from inflation. And we kind of forgot about that um, during the period from, I guess, about the late 80s, really through till 2020, 2021, we forgot that inflation can blow out. Mm. Um, so, but, I mean, that's the sort of background to investing in conventional bonds. So the, the issue then, if you're looking at buying a 50-year <laughs> bond, uh, yielding 3 or even 3.5%, are you confident that inflation is going to be 2% you know, over the foreseeable mm, future, 2% or less? Uh, now, of course, in the Eurozone, it's tended to be below the levels in the US and UK. The Eurozone in the 2010s had inflation of about 1%. So, so you'd be getting a 2% or so real yield. That, that's not too bad. But still, when you think of 50 years, that's such a long time. Now, of course, most people are not going to buy it, expecting to hold it for 50 years. They're looking to hold it for a while. True. Or they're thinking there's going to be a recession, yields will come down. And then, of course, they'd have a good capital gain because that 50-year bond uh, would really gain in value quite quite substantially. Yeah. Um, but you are taking a, quite a leverage bet on, on your forecast for inflation. Okay. I think that's a key thing to keep in mind, John, is that it is basically, um, if, if you're not holding it to maturity, it is a heck of a bet on a yield move, giving you the extra kicker on the price. So why would even someone, I know, John, you mentioned about probably someone have a wheel or whatever, but why people invest, to me, even 10 or 15 years born, why do people bother with that risk that you mentioned? Jerry, what I, do you I think? I think um, the, the reason for this was obviously that, you know, yields were negative in the Eurozone in terms of the core mm. government bonds. And 
by going out ultra long, as as you know, given the structured product background, you know, mm. you get to actually put some positive yield spin on it. So that's why yeah. it was issued with a 0.5 coupon. So I think if you were a pension fund or a lifer or something like that, you probably thought, you know what, at least it's a positive coupon, which is more mm. than I'm getting from mm. almost anything else. And it's mm. a decent name, France, right? I, mean, I don't have to go into the emerging market world to try to get a positive uh, coupon. And then you got whacked. Like John said, we'd forgotten that inflation can go up. And inflation did go up. So I think a lot mm. of people are holding it are probably either one, hedged against it whatever way they could, two, sold it if they could, or three, putting it in a drawer and saying, I'll look at you in you know 2072. Uh, how about UK and US then, actually? Obviously, UK, I think there are a lot of, pe- a lot of uh, like pension funds or insurance firm investing in these long data bonds. I don't know whether a lot of professional advisors use them in their funds, but uh, uh, what do you think in, in the case for UK and similarly for US? I'm going to defer to John on this one. John, because my experience so, with the US is that yeah. they haven't issued ultralongs in a long, long time. Yeah, but I would definitely distinguish between sort of 10 up to 15 years, which I think is fine for the private investor. It's the 20, 30 year plus uh, things that there's quite a lot of 30 year bonds in the UK, for example, mm. uh, and the US as well. I think if you want to go longer than 30 years, I'm not sure if the government does it, but there may be other bonds uh, in US dollars. But uh, the, I think for you know, for the private investor, I think the attraction of, say, 10 years is that if you get a recession and if interest rates come down, then you would get a significant gain on that bond. And, sure. of course, that recession is going to be the time when stocks are falling. So this is sort of going to the so-called 60-40 portfolio. Yeah, you, yeah. You yeah. some bonds and, and that they they compensate in bad times for the yeah. So I yeah, think that's, that's yeah, I agree. Interestingly, as you thought, the convexity obviously worked in favor as well because the bond price can, can rise further because the sensitivity is actually higher than uh, as rate keep falling. So I think there may be an interesting uh, argument for at this stage that a lot of people still say 60-40 is there, but probably not in this environment. It was... A, pr- a re result of ultra loose monetary policy, I think. So, yeah, well, we thought, yeah. Um, I mean, we thought 60 40 was really unappealing back in 2020, 2021. Mm. And we, we argued that, you know, if you should kill it. <laughs> if it wasn't dead, you should kill it. And then, of course, people who were in that, that, that um, portfolio really suffered in 2022 when both stocks and bonds both fell 15, 20, 25%. So you had no protection from bonds. Um, today, with where yields are, I think 60-40 portfolio is back. I think it's it's, mm. it's valid. If you buy U.S. treasuries at three and a half or, or gilts around that for 10-year, um, there's quite a lot of potential uh, decline in yields if we get a recession and a, and a big fall in inflation. Okay. Now, I'm asking you both, as people who look at bonds as well before, I will I think I remember seeing perpetual bonds before. Yeah, the am UK I, still I... has some. Yeah, the UK still has some perpetuals. Um, I believe they last forever. They last forever, and to be honest, I've never really looked at the math of them because I, it's not something I've ever <laughs> traded in my life. But um, I, I, I assume, John, do you have those tucked away in your portfolio? I mean, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I mean, they, as you say, they've been around for a long time since the 19th century. Some of them, haven't they? It's uh, very old. Yeah, um, I think they were. <laughs> I think there, there's appeal uh, for in uh, mainly for income, really. Uh, I think, but the. Uh, yeah, maybe there's something we could follow up and do a little bit of math, Jerry, you and I, and look at the perpetual bonds uh, pricing sensitivity. Sounds like <laughs> a rainy day project. I, I looked at the, 
Because when you said 100-year bonds, I remember back in the mid-90s, IBM issued a 100-year bond. And I remember a bunch of us were looking at it for clients and for ourselves. I was, I was still working at um, Bank America and transitioning to American Express Bank. And it's just one of those things we didn't touch because I, I couldn't figure out why you take the risk on the name. Do you know what I mean? Because IBM, mm -hmm. great name, company been around forever, made typewriters and computers and PCs and sold out to Lenovo, blah, blah, blah. But a 100-year bond in a corporate is... Uh, is a punt, he says politely. Well, maybe Wouldn't... they're so confident they will survive. Uh, as I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did. But you don't, you don't die expecting to hold back to maturity, do you? That's the point. So yes. you are yeah. clearly planning to uh, planning to trade it at some point. Yes. Yeah. And it's a great too because of the duration so long. <laughs> That's a great trade. It's a leverage to pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, thank you for both of you for this interesting discussion on bonds. Uh, I think we are going to have some additional write-up uh, in future about this concept uh, of duration and convexity. Uh, in the meantime, thank you for listening. We have other podcasts on our library. Uh, so you could welcome to uh, listen to our archive. And we'll have constantly put up these uh, podcasts on the markets about jargon, etc. So until next time, thank you for joining.